relationships. We spend tons of times thinking about them. They're all around us, and we have tons of different kinds of relationships. Parent-child, brother-sister, teacher-student, grandparent-grandchild, cousin-aunt-uncle, friend, best friend, boyfriend-girlfriend. Tonight, I know I saved the best for last, right? Tonight, we're beginning our series called Define the Relationship. In this series, we're going to be looking at various relationships in our lives and what God's Word has to say about them. Tonight, we're going to begin with the most important relationship of them all, and that is our relationship with God. Now, some of you out there might disagree with me when I say that our relationship with God is our most important relationship. But here's why. Because I know in my life, my relationship with God impacts every other relationship in my life, whether it's my relationship with how, and how I treat my family, how I think of myself, how I treat others, how I treat my friends, how I treat my husband, or in your case, significant other, um, how I treat that checkout person at hy or Walmart. All the relationships in my world, every single one of them is affected by the quality of my relationship with God. If I am allowing God to love on me and forgive me and accept me and teach me, then I am better equipped to love everyone else in my life. And that's why we're starting here. God, as I was thinking about tonight's, or tonight's topic, I was thinking that God really did some important things to define what he wants our relationship to be. He defined our relationship when he created us. And I'd like you to pull out your Bibles, and I don't know if somebody's back there to hit maybe bank three on the lights, but if you could open to the very first book in your Bibles, Genesis. It just, yeah, right up in the front cover. Genesis chapter one. If you get to Exodus, you've gone too far. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And we're going to read this all together. So, God created man. Okay, we're going to read this together. That means you guys are going to read out loud with me, okay? Okay, here we go. Let's try it again. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female... He created them. Good job reading, you guys. Way to go. I'm proud of you. Here's what that verse has to say to us. Okay, good job. Um, here's what that verse has to say to us. We are not some blob of atoms that spontaneously combusted into life in some random accident of chemistry. No. We are creatures designed and created by a loving creator, God. And we are made to point back to that God, reflect him. Let's read together, and it'll be on the screens. Um, Psalm 139, verses 13 for, through 15. And this one you don't have to read out loud with me, just follow along. For you, and he's talking to God, the psalmist is talking to God. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. 
God knit us together. He designed each and every one of us. Our weaknesses, our strengths, everything. We are not an accident. Every single person on the face of this planet is here on purpose. So, God creates Adam and Eve, right? And for a while after creation, things went great. Adam and Eve walked with God and talked with God. They spent time with him as, one of the, as, as your closest best friend. They spent time together. They looked forward to their times together. Their life was perfect. That's hard for us to imagine. They had no worries, no sickness, no fears, no problems. They were surrounded by amazing beauty, amazing creatures. They didn't need to work to support themselves. They could enjoy a massive variety of fruits and veggies that were just growing around them. The only limitation God placed on it was one thing. He planted a tree in the middle of the garden, and he told Adam and Eve, this one tree, you can eat all the other fruits and veggies in the garden, but not the fruit from this one tree. And for a while, things went fine. But then man and woman decided to doubt God and his boundary that he had set for their best. And they decided to trust Satan and try things their own way. That's when sin entered the world and perfection ended. Relationships from that point forward have been broken and separate. Man and woman were now under the curse of that sin. And when God came to walk and talk and spend time with them that evening, they hid in fear. Think about it. They had never known fear until that moment. They blamed each other, and they were now under a curse. And God was faced with a choice, whether to abandon his creation whom he loved to Satan or to buy us back. Now, God being God, it wasn't really much of a choice, right? He loves us. And he knew all along we would mess up, and he had a plan B. But it was a costly one. It involved trading his own son's life for ours. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Did you catch that? Each one of us in this room, we do not belong to ourselves. God purchased us with the precious blood of his one and only son, Jesus. That's a pretty radical notion in our culture when we like to think we're pretty independent and, and we're in charge of our own destinies and we belong to ourselves. No, this tells us we're not our own. We were bought with a price. Now, as I was preparing for this talk, some scenes from one of my favorite movies, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, popped into my head. And leading into the scene that we're going to watch, you need to know, if you're not familiar with the story, that Edmund, one of the four children who goes to Narnia, has betrayed his brother and sisters in order to serve the white witch, the evil white witch. He is reunited with his siblings, but soon the white witch comes calling, claiming her rightful possession of the life of tra all traitors, in this case, Edmund. Now, as his siblings look fearfully at him, thinking this must surely mean death for their brother, the good Aslan, the lion, takes the white witch into his tent and works out a deal. Aslan agrees to give his life in exchange for Edmund's freedom. The clip we're about to watch is Aslan fulfilling his side of the bargain. Do you want some milk? Why does he buy that? 
Did you honestly think by all this that you could save the human traitor? You are giving me your life and saving no one. <laughs> so much for love. interpreted the deep magic differently. So Aslan goes on to say, he goes on to say, when a willing victim that has committed no treachery is killed in a traitor's stead, the stone table will crack and even death itself will turn backwards. God defined the relationship when he bought us back and took our punishment on himself. Just like Aslan exchanging himself for Edmund, Jesus exchanged himself for us. He took our punishment for sin upon himself and he defeated sin, death, and the devil by dying on the cross and then rising from the dead on Easter. And then it gets even better. In Ephesians 1 we read, long before he, God, laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. God defined the relationship when he created us, when he bought us back, and when he adopted us into his family through faith in Jesus. 
God defined the relationship. He said it's exclusive. In Acts 4.12, we read, there is no other name given among men under heaven whereby men must be saved. It's only through Jesus that we can be saved and adopted into his family. God desires us. He proved it when he created us, when he bought us back. He proved it when he adopted us through faith in Jesus. But you also get a say in defining that relationship. He's created us with a desire for him, but he's given us a choice. Just like Adam and Eve had a choice in the Garden of Eden. He's created us with a choice. And we can ignore that desire for him and try to stuff it full of other things, or we can turn to him. As my volunteers are making their way up to the stage and getting into their spots, um, I'm going to describe the picture that they're going to make for you. But I want you to look at that, and I want you to just think, where am I? Which spot? You don't need to talk about this right now. This really involves more thinking just to yourself. So in the middle, we've got Jesus, right? I'm going to just scooch a little bit out of the way, maybe over here. In the middle, we have Jesus. And then we have the rest of our volunteers up here represent us and the different postures, the different ways we can define our relationship with God. So if you had to define your relationship with God, where would you see yourself? Which of these people best represents where you are? There's no condemnation or judgment for where you are. We're not here to judge you. Jesus knows where you are, and he loves and accepts you right there. So please don't feel that. There's no shame. But we want you to think through this and honestly share in small groups tonight where you think you are. Also, if you're one of the people in the room that goes, honestly, I have no idea. I haven't even thought about it. Then just ask God to show you. That's okay. So over there, that my far right side, your left side. We have someone ignoring God. Maybe just not interested in taking time to get to know him. Maybe feeling like they're too busy to even think about him. Maybe they're angry with him. Then we have someone who's been ignoring him but is now interested in, getting to, in finding out more. Are you maybe just realizing there is something more to life than what you've been believing so far? And you're wanting to find out and check out, is that Jesus? Or have you accepted the gift of what Jesus has done for you on the cross? Are you just starting to know the peace and joy that comes from that? Are you walking with Jesus? Living each day with him, spending time in his word and in prayer, listening to him and following where he leads, taking baby steps towards your best life ever. And I'm going to scooch back over here so you can keep seeing or have you been walking with Jesus and now you're ready to start inviting others to come and get to know him? Are you ready to share Jesus with others? The choice is up to you. How would you define your relationship with God? He has defined his desire for a relationship with you by creating you and buying you back from the enemy of our souls and offering to adopt you into his family. But now the choice is up to each one of you. When I was in junior high and high school, if you would have asked me if I was a Christian, I would have said yes. Because I went to church every Sunday, I did youth group stuff, and you know, I tried not to like cheat, and I do mostly good things. But my yes would have been dead wrong. Because you see, it wasn't until I was 18 years old 
and I was in college a freshman, that I realized that Christianity isn't a religion. It's a relationship. It isn't about what we do or don't do, but it's about accepting the love and forgiveness offered to us through Jesus and then living in that and sharing it. So now it's your turn. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it through him. It's your turn to think about defining your relationship with God. The leaders are passing out some sheets for you to look at and reflect on and mark up. Um, figure out where you are. Figure out where you want to be as Tim and Jenna sing this, this song. And please use this time to not talk to each other or distract each other. Please use this time just to talk to God. Thank you, volunteers. You can be seated. Thanks.